Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Costa Mesa Mayor John Stevens talks with Bruce about managing a city in times of COVID and Valerie Van Cleve from Oceana on the big oil spill off of the Southern California coast. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now, here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue. Good Sunday night, angels, friends, and fans. So great to be with you every week, every Sunday night. You know, one thing I can say for sure is that we do not live in boring times. I'm sure you all agree. Radio listeners from L.A. to Orange County, Inland Empire, all over Southern California, get ready for an hour of talk tonight that is full of motivation and full of information. And who the heck knows, maybe you'll even learn something. I guarantee you'll enjoy it. On our broadcast tonight, two very special guests in the second half hour of our show tonight. We're going to the oil spill that is polluting our Southern California coast. Very special guest, as I said, Valerie Van Cleve is going to come on the air. She's going to talk about Oceana. Oceana, one of the world's and the nation's most impressive ocean, ocean conservation institutes. They are doing amazing things. But first up, People, we're going to talk to the mayor of Costa Mesa. His name is John Stevens. He is an attorney. His firm is Stevens and Friedland in Costa Mesa. He has risen to the position of mayor through the city council, which in many local smaller towns across Southern California, that's how you become mayor of your town. That's changing. We're going to ask John about that. Are elections a need a necessity in communities like Costa Mesa or other places instead of city council advancement. But let me tell you a, bit, a little bit more about John. He Listen has been... He has been... Oh, I don't know what that was, but that wasn't about John. Anyway, he's been on my radio show over the years before. He is always very bright, very informed, and very serious uh, in, a, in a need to be fully disclosed He's a very, very much of an activist. He is very much a Democrat, and he's very involved in the school system, and he is a big deal with vaccines in Costa Mesa. We're going to talk about all this. Let's welcome him. John, are you there? I'm here, Bruce. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. No, it's always great to have you because you're so smart. I think you should take over, and I'm going to retire. <laughs> anyway, well, listen. I like radio, so it's great to talk to you. Yeah, and that's great. And by the way, I am so glad, I am so very glad that I told you to come on the phone today because the Harvest Festival here tonight at Angel Stadium, I think the entire country is here. I didn't think I was going to make it into the parking lot. So, Well, Bruce, Bruce, you know, I, I was at Dodger Stadium today. I watched uh, the last... Game, the the last regular season game of the Dodgers and that there were a lot of people there too and parking is a challenge so I didn't need two of those experiences in one day no way actually I knew you were at the Dodger game today because you're a Facebook person and it was on Facebook and I called my daughter who's a friend of yours or an acquaintance at least but she she thinks you're just the best 
And I said, what is John doing at the Dodger game? How is he going to get to the show on time? <laughs> she said, well, why don't you post him? I said, I don't do that. It started at, at, at 1210, and it's an interesting day in Major League Baseball because all of the games throughout, they all started at the same time simultaneously. So if, if a game was in New York, it started at 310. And, in, 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 and if they only do it on the last day so it doesn't give – teams an advantage um it's an interesting thing that they do on the last day yeah it is interesting so how was it for you sitting there uh, tell us what it was like uh were there disappointed dodger people all around you uh no it was it was kind of a nice uh atmosphere because they won the game and they won big and they, and uh trey turner hit a grand slam home run and the dodgers struck out 15 batters uh Walker Bueller by himself struck out 11 batters in in five innings, and so there was a lot to celebrate. And you know they're they're going to the wild card. They're going to play um, the St. Louis Cardinals on on Wednesday, and this is the first time in the history of Major League Baseball since they uh, went to divisions in 1969 that a team with 106 wins did not win the division. Exactly. So they, exactly. They have a great they have a great ball club and I hope that they advance far in in the postseason. Well, maybe they will. We'll have to wait and see because that's what the game is all about, right? That's that's right. Anyway, I came into the studio tonight uh, here at Angel Stadium and the producer for the Angels radio broadcast was packing everything up. It was kind of sad. And he was kind of sad, and I said, "What are you going to be doing until spring training?" And he said, "I'm going on, I'm going on snooze hiatus, and I'm going to watch a lot of Netflix for the next two months." I said, "How can you do that after all of this?" He said, "After so many games, I forget how many it is for the Angels." Also, he said he's exhausted. I bet it's a it's a long baseball. The baseball season is a long grind. I, I'm a as you might. Uh, I've already gathered a huge baseball fan. I played all the way through high school, and my daughter played softball, and I coached baseball and softball for 18 years. So I really love the game. And we actually came to Costa Mesa at, at our last uh, Costa Mesa City Council meeting. We had four youth teams in Costa Mesa's Little League Unified, and the first year they won three out of the four districts, 62. Um, uh, all-star divisions, and we had never won an all-star division in the history of Costa Mesa. But the first year, the American and National Leagues Unified, we won three out of four. And then a pony team, uh, we also had them in, in the council chambers, and they won the World Series at the eight, eight and under uh, uh, division. So it was a, it's quite a uh, quite a year for baseball in Costa Mesa. And I, I assume that you deserve all of the credit. None. No, None. I don't. I Come mean, on. I'm, no modesty. No, I'm, I'm I'm supportive of, of 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 little league and pony, but those parents and those coaches work so hard. And I will say that if you go to the Costa Mesa little league field, it looks like a it looks like uh, Angel Stadium or Dodger Stadium, and it's all because of the work those parents put in, and the board and uh, the coaches. And they all do it for the benefit of their kids. I had my time. I'm done with the coaching, and now it's on to a new generation. But I switched my focus, as you know, to 
city government after coaching for all those years. Which is a great segue for this radio talk. Let's get into the city government. Tell me in a few sentences, which I know is impossible, kind of a mini state of the city address for Costa Mesa. What's going on and what are your challenges? Well, you know, I did a state of the city and and I, I just want to I want to uh, cor- correct one thing you said uh, earlier, and, and is that it's an interesting way that I became the mayor. I was appointed by the city council, but I was appointed to fill Katrina Foley's seat. And so our mutual friend Katrina, who's been on your radio show, she got elected she, as mayor of Costa Mesa. Then she got elected as the Orange County Board of Supervisors uh, in, in the second district. And that left a vacancy. So the city council appointed me to be the mayor. So I'm serving her term. I see. So in, and so we we just had our state of the city. And the state of the city that I declared was that we're better than ever, better than ever, Bruce. And, and the reason I use that is because we went through the pandemic and I was on the council and was the mayor pro tem during a, a lot of that. And Katrina was the mayor. And we made so many different responses to the pandemic to get through it. For example, we uh, administered $5 million in grants to over 450 uh, businesses to just keep them alive and get them through the pandemic. And now we're seeing businesses that are absolutely thriving. On uh, Friday, I went to the opening of a group of restaurants at South Coast Plaza at Bloomingdale's called Collage. And they have, uh, as their kind of anchor restaurant, the Paradise Dynasty restaurant. And it's the first Paradise Dynasty outside of Singapore. And Bruce, I was told by the representative from uh, Bloomingdale's that 300 people line up every day at 1130 to get into this collection of restaurants. So we just opened, cut the ribbon on Friday. These are the type of things that are happening in the city of Costa Mesa. And and that's just on the business front. We opened our um, uh, our community center, the Norma Herzog Community Center, named after our first female mayor, and a beautiful playground that we have at the library on the west side of Costa Mesa. So yesterday at about 7.30, I was driving out to dinner, and I, I stopped because I was passing the playground, and I just wanted to park just for 10 seconds to see how many people are enjoying that playground. And it's right adjacent to the library. So now where it was kind of a rundown area on the west side of Costa Mesa, it's just full of life and full of young kids having a great time. So these are some of the things that that we're doing. We have a new police chief that we just hired. Um, We have a, a city manager who just... Uh, made it through her first two years, and we had a long presentation on the accomplishments of the various staff members at our last city council meeting. So for these and other reasons, the city, the state of the city of Costa Mesa is better than ever. I, I do believe for its size, we punch above our weight, and I think Costa Mesa is a truly world-class city for a city of its size. Boy, that's pretty glowing, John. How come so many other cities can't give that kind of a report? Well, I don't, I don't, I can't speak for other cities. I mean, there are many wonderful cities in, in, in Orange County. We have 34 cities. And, you know, one of the things that happened through the pandemic is 
the mayors really hung together and the city managers hung together like like they hadn't ever before. And that's kind of continued on. And so I think that, you know, the cities in Orange County are very supportive of one another. Just before I got um, on the on the uh, program, I sent a text to Mayor Carr, Kim Carr at Huntington Beach, saying whatever I could do to help, whatever the Costa Mesa could do to help Huntington Beach. Same thing with Newport uh, during the oil spill. So we all work together and, and cooperate, the mayors do, and the city managers. And so we try to uh, try to boost each other up. You know, it's not a competition. We're a region, and we all rise together. Well, I appreciate that, but I, I have felt there is some competition, especially between Newport and Costa Mesa, but I don't want to get into that. I want to be specific with you. Give me a vaccine update. What's happening in Costa Mesa with the schools, with the public, and with policy? Well, Bruce, I'll tell you, you know, I say better than ever and all the great things about Costa Mesa, but the one area that's a little bit disappointing is we're toward the bottom in terms of our va- vaccine uh, we have at vaccines. We have two zip codes in Costa Mesa, and two vaccines in the arms of of uh, so you know fully vaccinated uh, um, residents. We're at 61 percent in one of our zip codes, and about 66 percent in another, and, and that puts us below a lot of other um, uh, uh, cities in in Orange County. And nevertheless, we we're doing whatever we can to. To, to get vaccines. And really, uh, somebody who is great about driving that is uh, Katrina and the work that she's doing with the county. And the county has had several pop-ups in, um, in, in the city of Costa Mesa. And I know that they're doing that in other cities as well, where they'll just go to like, for example, we just had one recently at Ray School. I'm uh, sorry. So- yeah, I think it is it's the same thing. SOS, sorry, uh, SOY, Save Our Youth. Yeah. Ray School. Okay. We had uh, we had a pop up there um, that was run by the county. So we're and there's also um, pop ups at uh, Orange Coast College, and so we have a lot of uh, opportunities for people to get vaccinated. We just have to reach that other group, um, and we're working on it. We're working on. Do you think it's mainly a language barrier, or is it more than that? I, I don't think I mean I don't know I wish I knew if I knew I if I knew I would we would be doing something different some of it's cultural some of it's a language barrier but it's hard to say I, I really I really don't know why uh, Costa Mesa is lagging behind I, I um, as mayor have you had any pushback from the anti-vaccine crowd no no okay yeah not really I mean in other words, we don't have anybody coming to our city council meetings and talking about um, that they don't want the vaccine. You know, of course, we we're not uh, um, mandating any vaccines in Costa Mesa. the The thing that we did is we brought back our mask mandate for city facilities, indoor city facilities. So now, for example, if you go to a um, city council meeting, you have to wear a mask, and so do the council members and the staff. But that's um, that's irrespective of whether you're vaccinated or not. Got it. Let me ask you a tough question to think about. we got to take our first break, John, but I want an answer to this. It's not applic- applicable to Costa Mesa, but it's big talk in the nation. 
the concept both in government and business that if an employee is not vaccinated, they're going to lose their job. Specifically in New York City on tomorrow, Monday, if you're a teacher in this public school system and you show up unvaccinated, you're out. Think about that. Let's talk about it when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. Thank you, John Stevens, for being on tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook, and we're going to be right back. Angels Radio. AMA 30. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. When you join SIA LTL Freight, you belong to something bigger from day one. Whether you live for the long haul, the city route, or working the docks, we have a job for you. Join the most elite team in the business. Best-in-class benefits, signing bonuses, and a first-rate commitment to safety. To start your journey with us, go to workatsia.com. That's workatsia.com. A gentle breeze blows across your face as you take a refreshing sip of water, appreciating the stillness of another morning fishing on the lake. The distant gurgle of a stream reminds you of days spent playing in the creek, the cool, clear water rushing between your toes. You love this time with nature, the feeling of putting everything on hold to connect with the world around you. Now. Imagine it's all gone. No fish, no lake, no water. One of life's most vital resources, irreplaceably depleted. Time is running out to protect fresh water, and without our love, it can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our fresh water. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org slash love. Many Wall Streeters are predicting the inflation plane is ready to take off. At Owning, we still have a few refi seats left with 30-year fixed 2 and 3 quarter percent rate in APR with no closing costs on them. If the experts are right and the inflation plane flies high, APRs this low may be a distant dream. Don't mess around. Call 8332-OWNING or go to owning.com before the refi market flies completely away from you. Maybe the experts are wrong and rates don't go up any higher. But if they're right and the plane is flying with mortgage rates reaching the fours, you'll kick yourself hard that you didn't grab a seat now. Don't be a dummy. Save the money. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Subject to credit approval. Call 833-852-6464 for terms and conditions. Equal housing lender. Call 833-2-OWNING for a 30-year fixed refi with a 2 and 3 quarter percent rate in APR today. That's 833-2-OWNING or owning.com. Angels Radio. AM 830. I never thought that I would find a way out. I never thought I'd hear my heart. 
John, did you ever think you'd find a way out? I'm still looking for a way out. That takes uh, us. I don't, know. I don't. I don't want to go anywhere. Get music, <laughs> though, Bruce. Yeah, we got to have a little music, don't you think? It livens us up. Yeah, absolutely. Got to. Anyway, we're back, people. I'm Bruce Cook, and I'm with John Stevens, mayor of Costa Mesa, also attorney, firm of Stevens and Friedland in Costa Mesa. We're talking politics, local politics. But in a bigger sense, how it all applies to the world and our nation. And I left him with the question, should people that refuse to vaccinate be let go from their jobs, either in education, which is happening in New York on Monday, and also many of our big corporations are doing the same. Not happening in Costa Mesa, but John, you've got the mic. Yeah. And, you know, Bruce, thanks for uh, giving that uh, question to me and letting me think about it over the break. I think I'm going to uh, use uh, my my background as an attorney to help me puzzle through the answer to this and and answer it in kind of a lawyerly fashion. I mean, the the bottom line is, you know, you you have governments that make policy decisions, and they're constrained by the Constitution. They're constrained by whatever federal law or supreme law that they have to answer to. And but but if if they're not constrained, in other words, if their decision and their policy is constitutional and doesn't violate any st- state or federal statutes, then it's it's the jurisdiction or the agency's right to make those policy decisions. And so every, you know, like the Newport, sorry, the Newport Mesa School District can make a decision and assuming it's constitutional, the New York school board or the governor of New York can make that that decision. And it's a policy decision that they need to make for their own jurisdiction and with a, with their own heart and minds. And then they're accountable to the voters for that. Good answer. You know, I, I think I think that uh, that's you know, that's kind of what I stand by. What what policy decision would we make in Costa Mesa? I can tell you that I I preside over the council meetings but I am one of seven. And so if something like that came to Costa Mesa, some issue, and we need to vote on it, we would get all the information and we'd listen to one another and we and the majority would rule and then we'd move forward. Um, so anyway, that's the way I think about it. I think every agency has, has the chance to, to, to make their own decision and they're accountable to, to the voters for whatever they decide to do. On a bigger level, still on the vaccine situation, which I I don't want to belabor, but frankly, John, it's tearing our country apart on a certain level. There is so much angst and anger. Uh, Case in point, the horrific things that we all see on airplanes, on the news, with people reacting so violently, and and in school board meetings in places where things are are not like Costa Mesa, where there is such anger. Why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening in this country? We've had vaccines for almost 100 years. Our school children are required, our public school children are required to take a number of vaccines just to go to class. More than 750,000 people have died of COVID. Why is everybody so crazy? I don't know. I don't know. And and I, I, I was quick to be vaccinated as soon as I could. I got the first shot in, in March. I got the second shot in April. Um, my my daughter, who uh, worked at a thrift store that was connected to the AIDS 
to an AIDS clinic, was the first in our family to get vaccinated. She's 20 years old. She lives in Chicago. And then my 96-year-old mother, by the grace of God, she got vaccinated. The, the COVID was coming after her. There were people in her assisted living facility that had died of COVID that were you know, right near her. And so we were so pleased when she got vaccinated. I don't know what the pushback is. I don't know why it's, uh, it's political. Um, it is saving lives. Bruce, we get a lot of different updates about the effectiveness of that, that, the vaccination, but one of them resonates with me, that in the state of California, in the entire state, there has been only one person who has died um, who was positive for COVID who was vaccinated, only one death. And you compare that to the, as you said, whatever the number is now, it's approaching 700,000 people that um, have died, and virtually all of them died either before they could get the vaccination or were unvaccinated by choice. And Which is why so, I don't get it. I really don't. I don't get it. It shouldn't be political, but it is. And I think it is because, and this is another question for you as a politician, a local one, perhaps you have ambitions to seek higher office, but... I don't think the public trusts the government anymore. I don't think the public trusts a lot of the public, not all, but I think a lot of people don't trust authority of any kind. They don't trust the church. They don't trust the teachers. They don't trust the police. They don't trust the government. It's it's me first and me alone, and I don't care what your political stance is, although it tends to not be uh, so much uh, <clears throat> people on the on the right side of the coin, I mean, on the left side of the coin, the right side of the coin seems to be more adverse to this thing and more mistrusting, which I also sort of understand. But how do we bridge that? How does any any politician bridge that fear and that horrible situation that we're in right now to move ahead? You talk about conciliation and agreement and majority rule. Where is it? Well, trust, you know, is something that is is hard earned and easily lost. Great and, statement. And you you have to work to establish trust. And I'll give you an example. And once it and once it's once trust is broken, it can take years or generations to get back. And I'll give you a local example. In Costa Mesa, approximately thirty five percent of our um, uh, residents are Latino. And back in the mid-2000s, the city council at the time decided to really cooperate in, in, a, in a very uh, distinct way with the uh, Immigration and Naturalization Service. And we had an ICE um, uh, representative of ICE in our jail. And and it, it was it was a something that was politically popular at the time and in locally and it broke the trust with our latino community so a few years ago 2018 something like that we wanted to have a town hall in that area and um so katrina uh, was the mayor at the time or council member i can't remember and she and i were going to hold this not one person showed up not one person bruce because they didn't trust the city of Costa Mesa. 
More recently, we now have a majority Latino uh, city council. Lauren Gameros, Arliss Reynolds, Andrea Marr, and Manuel Chavez are all Latino. So we recently had a very similar outreach to the community, and there were about 15 people that came. And you had, you know, Manuel and and uh, speaking Spanish and, and, and doing such a great job in his district. And it, it's, it's, and, and if you would have seen that, you would have said, wow, that's a low turnout, but it meant so much to have 15 people at this event. It's a start. It so different. It was a start. And it's start, it's the start of building trust. Well, um, a great anyway, point, a great point that, uh, Trust is easily lost when bad things happen. Um, I have so much more I want to talk to you about, and our time is almost up. But since we're on the subject of immigration, what is the city of Costa Mesa feeling with the influx of migrants across the border? Are we seeing any of that here in Costa Mesa area? John, did I lose you? Hello. I guess we lost you. Ladies and gentlemen, I guess that question must have done him in. No, I'm sure it didn't. Uh, we're having a technical difficulty, but that's life, right? Well, I, I really would have liked to have that question answered, but we're going to move on. We're going to take our half-hour break. When we come back, you're going to meet Valerie Van Cleve, and you're going to have a very interesting half-hour talking about the oil spill, ocean conservation, and everything else involved. Thank you so much for staying with me tonight. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation, live on Angels Radio, AMA 30, KLAA. It's when everything goes. Nowhere to hide when I'm getting you close. When we move, well, you already know. So just to let you, just to let you. Radio AMA 30. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute. Compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. 
Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man versus Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top. You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Want to learn a new language so it will actually stick? Try Babbel. Practice real-life conversations in the Babbel app. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Get personalized help in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people, so everyone can get the help they need. Review words and phrases with fun games, or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning style, Babbel gives you the tools you need. Babbel. More ways to learn. Start learning a new language today at Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Angels Radio. AM 830. Desposito, ladies and gentlemen. That's us here at Angels Radio AMA 30, or a bunch of Despositos. I'm Bruce Cook. It's the conversation tonight on Angels Radio AMA 30. And as I have teased you through our first half hour, we've got an exceptionally interesting woman coming on to the show for the second half hour. Her name is Valerie Van Cleve. Valerie is a major advocate of ocean conservation. She represents the board of an organization which is both national and international. It's known as Oceana. It is a uh, conservation uh, institute which is backed and funded by some of the most important conservationists and, and scientists in our country. It has been around for some 30 years. And here in Orange County, coming up uh, this month, Valerie is in charge of the largest fundraiser on the West Coast for Oceana. It's called Sea Change. I believe she founded it. And over the past years, she has, with her team, raised something like $15 million in donations to support all kinds of programs. We're going to find out about that. We're going to find out about the programs. And uh, we're mostly, most interestingly, timing, I guess, is everything, when I talked to Valerie this week, of course, there was no oil spill until yesterday. And here we are faced with a huge, huge tragedy on our Southern California beaches. So what better night to talk about it and talk about the ocean in general? Valerie, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time tonight. I know you're busy. Listen, let's start with this oil spill. What the heck is going on this is so outrageous because it is clearly human error of some kind. How can this happen? How can this happen in this day and age? Well, yeah, it's a very good question. And it, it, actually, all the threats 
to the ocean are caused by human activity, and here's a great example. And unfortunately, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but it's not unexpected. And we don't know all the details yet, but we do know that uh, we've got a major oil spill from a uh, oil pipeline related to our offshore drilling. Um, and off, we just offshore drilling is inherently dangerous. Companies know it. Insurance companies know it, and many coastal communities. Um, also know it because they stand to lose environmentally and economically. And we're going to feel the pinch of this, not just in our pocket, but, but certainly environmentally. Um, I'm sure as we're talking, I think right here, right now, um, wildlife is, is being killed. And it's super unfortunate. Um, oh, it's beyond unfortunate. I mean, the pictures that have been across television of the birds and the, and the, yeah. and the fish that are dying, um, I heard... Uh, yesterday, several people that I know were coming back from Catalina on their boats, and they were they were cutting through it, and they were seeing dolph- pods of dolphins swimming and covered in oil. Yep, yeah. And it's, one thing we know about oil is it's not transient. It is a very durable substance. So once it's out of the ground, especially when it's in the water, there's really uh, virtually no way to, quote, clean it up. It doesn't go away. There's not so enough I- dawn Don dishwashing in the world to clean it all up. Actually, looking out my window at a boat with a boom trying in this little teeny boat out there in this big ocean, I think that's what they're trying to do is kind of mop this up. And it's uh, it's 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 a lot of uh, effort for a little reward. We haven't had this happen in a a long time. Not in in my memory. I don't remember SoCal having this happen before. Do you? Yeah, no, it has. It's been a number of years. I know that, but it's really uh, these ac- accidents are basically a ticking time bomb all over the world, and it's not a matter of if; it's really when. Because I do applaud the officials and workers that are quick to at least appreciate the gravity of what's happened and are taking steps to do their best to minimize the damage. But we need their help to make sure this type of disaster does not ever happen again. And that is what Oceana is working on. Talk about Oceana. Tell us about it. I think a lot of the listeners don't know about it. What is it? Well, we're an organization that for, for many years has been advocating to stop offshore drilling. So, uh, but, and we've, uh, but the Biden administration, when Biden was running for president, he had a campaign promise to stop offshore drilling, and we are uh, working very hard to hold him accountable for that. So uh, I want everybody to at least join us. I'll give you a way to do that to ensure that this this form of dirty fossil fuel production is finally outlawed in the U.S. and we can protect our coast. So do um, we need but- do we need it, Valerie? Will those in favor of continuing it? Do they have a case? Is that oil necessary? Is it needed? Well, I think that we've got – Oceana believes there's, we can promote uh, and we do promote an orderly transition to existing, sustainable, renewable, clean, cheaper energy. So there's just there's going to be a mantra for the status quo, of course, but there we have a path out of this. And this, this is it, these, the drilling doesn't just make for accidents like this. Uh, it also contributes to climate change, which also has adverse impacts on the ocean by warming the ocean. So creatures that, that can't live in the, the new temperature they find themselves in. And then also it's actually changing the pH of the water through uh, acidification, which is threatening the 
food chain, and in fact, our food chain. So there's a lot of uh, impacts that that uh, certainly outweigh uh, sticking with a 19th century antique um, uh, fossil fuel. Well, there's no question. There's no question that this nation is moving in that direction anyway. I guess my question was, at this time, is that oil necessary? There are conflicting reports that say that the United States has plenty of oil reserves that we do not even need to rely on foreign oil. If that is the case, I wonder, I don't know, so I'm asking, and perhaps you don't know, so I don't want to put you on the spot particularly, but how much does that offshore drilling comp- uh, uh, matter to our overall uh, fossil fuel it, needs it, it, at this time? Right. It's a good question. If we focus on moving forward with existing technology, I'm not talking about a Manhattan project, you know, because well that we haven't invented, but existing uh, uh, sustainable, renewable, clean energy, we will not need that offshore oil. No question. No question. And hopefully that's in the next decade, I would think. That's what I think that's what the government and private industry is working towards it's exciting there's a lot of opportunity a lot of jobs to be created clean jobs and it's exciting but the big to embrace the big question though overall is yes we in america at least many of us many of our scientists and our business leaders are focused on that goal but what about the rest of the world what about china what about africa Those are good questions, and and we're hoping that do we want Africa to go through 200 years of uh, outdated um, energy source? I mean, do we want them, maybe we need them to use whale oil. I mean, how far do we have to go back? I think if they can leapfrog and not have to go through the uh, oil, the fossil fuel um, phase of energy uh, history, all the better. It's cheaper. There's cheaper, cleaner solutions for the entire world. And uh, Oceana is an international organization, as you know, Bruce, and we, we work um, in countries all over the world to promote uh, cleaner, sustainable energy and, of course, um, ocean conservation attached to that. So, what would, uh, Valerie, share a, share a success story. Share a tangible success story somewhere else in the world where Oceana has made an impact and has really resulted in change? Well, uh, okay. Um, okay. We're, you know, we celebrate our 20th anniversary. You aged me to us 10 years. But we've got a lot <laughs> all over the world. Well, you still, and, look, uh, you still look like you're 29, so that's okay. So I'll give you your, pay you off after this. Yeah, I, ex- so. I expect it. I'll be in the parking lot waiting for my $10. <laughs> well, we're talking about pollution, so let's stick with that. There's there's, uh, you know, oil, there's a lot of uh, pollutants in the ocean. I think that we can agree that that's one of the main major, major threats to the ocean. And there's everything from uh, oil, we we're seeing just here today, plastic pollution, uh, excessive carbon, mercury, raw sewage, mining, tailings, you name it. But so let's just stick with plastic. Um, plastic, uh, I should some stats just to throw out. People yeah, give Yes, please, please give us. Yeah, if you've tried to go through a day without single-use plastics, you'll see how difficult it is. 
so ubiquitous, but they, we are dumping 33 billion pounds of plastic into the ocean each year. It's, uh, and it's like two garbage trucks worth of plastic every minute, 24-7 being dumped in the ocean. And once that plastic's in the ocean or it's out, it never really goes away. You say you throw something away. It doesn't. It just breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces that often look like food to a fish, for example. Yeah. Um, and we really, we, the, uh, the, um, there's a mantra, misleading corporate messaging, that, that recycling is going to get us out of this mess. And really, uh, 9% max of plastic uh, ever produced has been re- recycled. So it simply isn't the solution. So um, Oceana is advo- and our allies are advocating for reducing plastics at the source. And um, we're asking for corporations for commitments from corporations and national policies to reduce single, particular single-use plastic at the stores. So, um, actually, can I talk about California? We've got a couple, and then I can talk internationally. But yeah, please. Go ahead. Exciting, we have some really exciting, very recent um, uh, um, developments in with plastic pollution right off of our coast here. Of course, everyone knows we're the fifth largest economy in California. If you and, and so what we what we do matters. And just last month, the California legislature passed two bills to reduce single-use plastic in the state. Uh, one related to curbing restaurant single-use plastic pieces, and then another dealing with refillable um, beverage bottles. And one is California Assembly Bill 962. It was authored by State Senator Sidney uh, Kamlager, and then it dealing with refillable bottles, and then. The other is Assembly Bill 1276, authored by Assembly Member Wendy Carrillo, dealing with all the little junk you get, plastic stuff when you order um, takeout. And these these bills are on the governor's desk as we speak and need to be signed um, by him to become law by October 10th. So I encourage our listeners to contact the governor and voice your support for these two bills. So that's super important just right there in California, right here. Let me let me and, interrupt you before you go international. Sure. The pandemic, just before the pandemic hit, the psyche of Californians was turning in that direction. People were really trying to be conservative about overuse of disposable plastics. The pandemic hit and everything went to disposable plastics. I'm sure the last year to two years has been horrific for our oceans and if these bills, of course, I don't know the ins and outs of these bills, but they sound reasonable. If they don't pass, then what? I mean, we yeah, are we are I, using so much throwaway plastic, as you said. Yeah, I go to the grocery store and I call it, and I'll call it the plastic store. So I, I I definitely share your your concern, and I think that there has been a, an increase, but I think that's transient, and it's not necessarily less sanitary to to. To uh, to adhere to the, what's hap- what these laws are, are uh, suggesting. So, are there people uh, developing paper products that will replace it that will dis- that will disintegrate much more easily and biodegradably? Yes, this, this thank God for innovation. There is a job creating innovation going on uh, right now to get us away from single use plastics. One thing that you use for 20 seconds and throw it away, quote unquote, in the last a thousand years. So there is incredible innovation going on, but it's also going back to something that I'm old enough to remember, which was a refillable uh, 
Pepsi or Coke bottle, and it's off, they're often used. The refillables are used quite a bit in Latin America, but we got away from them um, yeah, right. in many parts of the world because of, well, it, and so there's a re, we can go back to that and use these bottles 50, 60 times or sanitized. Or, or it's, not, it's not any less sanitary. So there are alternatives without uh, playing the um, health card. Let there's me... a lot of reasons concerned about plastic if you want to talk about health let me yeah let me stop you we've got to take our our break here so much more to say ladies and gentlemen i'm bruce cook it's the conversation tonight valerie van cleave oceana representative board member passionate ocean conservationist we're going to be right back so don't go away sing song when i'm walking home jump up to the top of the brown ding dong call me on my phone nice tea and i'll get my ping pong As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's Neurospine Program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949 537-2931 537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash sign help. As the Angels baseball season begins to wind down, the Irvine Auto Center end of summer sales event is winding up. So if you're looking for great deals on a new or pre-owned vehicle from the top 15 import, domestic, luxury, and exotic brands, then turn your search into drive at the Irvine Auto Center, where the 5 meets the 405 at Lake Forest Drive. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months I make 200 to 300 bucks. <laughs> Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code QUICK for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code QUICK for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code QUICK. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents And does Don't you just love the smell of old books? This is a library. Sorry, ma'am. We're looking for a book titled Liberty Mutual Customizes Your Car Insurance So You Only Pay for What You Need. I don't think we carry that, but check nonfiction. It really does devour literature. Please leave. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 liberty. Sometimes the world can seem a cold place, so we got to bring the warmth to it. Sometimes the world can seem a broken place, so we got to strive to fix it. At the end of the day, we are empowered to create the world we want to live in. So we prepare for the worst, but we must always, always expect the best. 
Smith & Wesson, empowering Americans. Angels Radio, AM 830. And we are back. I'm Bruce Cook. It's the conversation live tonight, Angels Radio. My guest, Valerie Van Cleve, we're talking Oceana, conservation of our ocean, our most precious, precious, precious resource. Valerie, let me change subjects because we only have a few minutes left, and I want to talk about the issue of overfishing, which I know is really important to Oceana. Please tell me how serious it is. Uh, well, you we could consider it the gravest threat to our ocean, so that kind of gives you a... Uh, a little bit of an overview. And I, I think, uh, again, it's a human activity, so we can, uh, that's the bad news. The good news is we can do something about it. Um, we really have literally the, the technology to hunt down and kill the last fish in the ocean. Um, should we do that? Uh, probably, probably not. But we're simply just taking too many fish out of the ocean and and we're seeing an incredible declines. And the, the peak for fishing was in 19, way back in 1988. And since then, for the first time in history, worldwide fishing catches have been declining. And it's certainly not for want of trying. More and more high-tech boats go out every year and bring back less and less fish. And what's staggering to me, I was amazed, and I keep looking at the statistics, over 90% of the big fish like marlin, swordfish, sailfish, large tuna, sharks, they're gone. And someone asked me, like, where did they go? And I had to tell them, well, we ate them. They're gone. We ate them. That's where they went. So overfishing is a major threat. And um, one of the um, – it's also something we can do – we can do something about. Um, there's a, a category of overfishing called uh, illegal, unregulated, and unreported fishing. And it's often on the open seas by um, dark – with dark fisheries, what we call dark fishing, and it's um, distant fleets, uh, China, Taiwan, um, Korea, those are the biggest fishing fleets and, and, and others. Um, we're finding that more and more of this, there's a lot of illegal activity associated with that because there's not, they're not reporting and, and their catches and they're fishing where they shouldn't be fishing. It also is associated with human rights abuses at sea illegal drug trade and human trafficking. So Oceana, one of the, uh, we, we tried to figure out how we get our hands around that because we want to promote transparency. How do we, how do we reduce overfishing? Well, we need to know what's going on. We need timely and accurate information on what's going on out there. So we partnered with Google and Skytruth to form Global Fishing Watch. And it's a, it really, this enterprise enables opponents like uh, that oppose illegal fishing like Oceana to use global satellites, artificial intelligence, and other data to track and hold accountable industrial boats that are engaged in illegal fishing. And an, an example of, of how powerful a tool that is, is um, just recently we used Global Fishing Watch to identify instances of illegal fishing by actually a Chinese fleet off of the Galapagos, incredible um, biodiverse place, and Argentina. 
And then what we did with that is we went, we reported that. And once Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Chile all issued a joint statement that they would work together to prevent this from happening ever again in their waters. Which is great. So here's this example of Oceania finding, looking at the problem, using science, and and using science to find solutions and then um, getting with allies and like-minded people to go out and do something about it. So that's just an example. Good example, um, yes. Yeah. A few yeah. years ago, a few years ago I attended one of your events and the subject was overfishing specifically talking about shark killing in Asian waters and the idea that these fishermen would simply catch these sharks and strip them of their fins because that was the delicacy and throw these animals back in the water. I was so horrified. So horrified. Yeah, it is, yeah it is, it's an incredibly cruel practice. And, and actually, it's happening all over the world, not just in Asian waters, but the, the fins are ending up uh, in, in mostly going through uh, Hong Kong into China. Um, they, they, they use, they eat them. Yeah. But the fish itself thrown back after they cut the things off your right it's horrible and, and unfortunately unfortunately i have yeah. to end on that we are out of time <laughs> give us a web end. give us a website give us some information how to find out more about oceana yeah i encourage everybody to join us we've got 7.6 million supporters in 150 countries around the world and um, i'm involved because i want to join forces with them so i encourage our listeners to do the same oceana.org and also your favorite uh, social media platforms. Uh, and you can find out more about Oceana and how you can help. And good luck on your big fundraiser coming up in Laguna Beach. You've got Ted Z Danson coming out again. I think Laura Dern is coming. And, That's right. Uh, and uh, all the best to you, Valerie. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, our show is just about over tonight. I'm Bruce Cook. The conversation is coming to a close. I wish you all a healthy and, and successful and good week. Try and get along. Try and be happy. Remember, the whole point of life is to enjoy it. Be positive. Come back again next uh, Sunday night at 6 o'clock for the conversation, and we'll keep talking. There's so much to talk about. Good night. You've been listening to The Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear The Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. <laughs>